Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're going to need each other. Yeehaw! Yeah, that's good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I get it. Simran. Simran. Yeah, not Cimarron. Not <laughs> like I thought it was. <laughs> well, <laughs> It's more it's, like an Indian name than it's Simran. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's Simran. <laughs> Simran. Yeah. Oh, uh, How's it going? <laughs> it's going well. I'm okay. Good. Good I'm to here. hear. Right before recording, Meet asked me if I wanted to reschedule because I haven't slept a lot for a couple of days just with my kids and everything. Um, and I said, no, this uh, podcast gives me energy and I'm really excited. But what I w- didn't say and what I was saving to say... I need to talk about the staircase. <laughs> yep, that's the only thing for small talk that I wrote yep. down because I, I just it. had that's, a feeling that you it. would want to talk about it. And then we'll talk about Simran. Simran. But <laughs> but for now, we're talking about the staircase. The staircase which finished at- just recently. It did. I I you know what? I was very good to myself. I challenged myself. I was like, you have to watch Simran first. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can watch the staircase because the staircase was like my my cherry your treat yeah my treat yeah right i am glad that i waited because then i fully got to enjoy it without the yeah. anxiety of like oh i have to watch this movie too but i i watched it on saturday so i watched it late in the game mm-hmm. and i don't know how i feel about the series in total okay interesting yeah i think I would like to hear your thoughts first. Okay. So overall, I thought the series was good, not great. Mm-hmm. Overall, I did. I still highly recommend it. It's very good. I will also say, I feel like for me, series is really hard to get to great. Because I think series just has more room to screw up. Yeah. And more room for like ups and downs. And this really just follows that. It is definitely one of the better ones to come out of late. Mm-hmm. I would really... Better, I liked it more than The Dropout. I liked it more than Pam and Tommy. Like, I liked it more than a lot of things. But it still had its, like, holes. But overall, I did like it. I really liked how it was directed. I really liked the score. I liked, like, a lot of things about it. But then it ends. Mm-hmm. And I have so many thoughts about how it ends. I feel... I love and I hate that ending. Because yeah. I think... I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to leave it kind of open-ended because li- literally this is what this case this has what been yeah. for this the la- past 20 years. Yeah. You know, I've contemplated many a time, did Michael mm. Peterson kill his wife? And I guess that is the purpose. Like we're never going, unless there's a deathbed confession, <laughs> if yeah. he did it, we're just left sort of in this limbo of no, he didn't do it because he's That's taken this the, Alfred yeah. plea. And even well, though the... Yeah, yes. are, are <laughs> a tricky thing. They're a Pandora's box, mm-hmm. if you will. But, you know, we're sort of left to believe that this is still kind of open-ended because we don't know exactly what happened and we're never going to know what's going to happen. Part of me is like, would I have enjoyed this more if it was a more like definitive answer if they gave their suggestion? And I actually think I would have hated that like yeah. if they were fully like yeah he did it or if they were like no he didn't and like this if they is fabricated why. some evidence to like prove that he did or didn't do it yeah yeah but i also just feel like that ending is kind of a cop-out at the same time too 
of just like, let's look at this man's face and you tell me what you think. It's interesting because, yeah, yeah, that is exactly what they do, right? Like, and especially Mm -hmm. the small smirk at the end of it that you're, again, meant to deduce from. I actually think they made it very clear what they think, though, without saying anything. What do you think that they think? I think they think he did it. I think they think he did it, too. (laughs) I think the creators think, (laughs) the creators in HBO by proxy, think he did it. Antonio Campos, yes. Antonio Campos and HBO think he did it. Yeah. And that last scene, or A, that, uh, that... quote-unquote revelation which is that did that really happen that's that's the other thing that i'm really like up in arms about because like if that didn't happen if he did not so spoiler alert in the last episode they show michael doing sort of like a confession with the documentarian jean as jean um black jean michael tells jean that he actually had lied about Kathleen knowing about his bisexuality and that she didn't know and he had fabricated all that, which I don't remember that from the documentary. Yeah. And I don't know. I haven't read any articles since that say like, no, that was a complete fabrication for the for this miniseries. Yeah. And if that is a fabrication, which I think it is, like that's really harmful. It's really harmful. Really harmful to put into something like this, especially with the amount of people that like aren't going to watch. The Staircase is 13 episodes. It is at and least like 13 an, hours of your At least an life. hour each. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're long ass episodes. And like while it is very interesting, I can definitely see people who would find it boring because mm-hmm. it is, it's about like the legal system more than anything. And so that yeah. can be kind of tedious to watch. Yeah. But like people aren't going to do their research and they're going to think like, oh yeah, he had this whole Robert Durst moment with the documentarian and confessed basically mm-hmm. to lying about something that is pretty it's interesting because it's something that is pivotal to the case but also is one of the biggest reasons as to why police believed he was guilty but like was kind of a dumb reason to believe that he was guilty because they had no proof that kathleen had discovered anything they didn't have any evidence that showed that she suddenly discovered that he was bisexual they just made up that in their own minds as well and so you know, it's an interesting thing to do, but it's very dangerous. I also think it's, it feels extremely, for a series that is actually very intelligent and very well written, mm-hmm. it does seem like a very haphazard thing to fake as well. That's the other thing. I saw it and I was just like, did this happen or did this not? Because if they are faking it, they spend the entire season essentially trying to show, they they do this a lot, trying to show how he was maligned for being bisexual and how Mm -hmm. that in and of itself was a reason for people to think that he killed his wife and it isn't no and they spend a great amount of time trying to show that that whatever you think of him and whatever you think he whether he did or didn't kill his wife Mm -hmm. his bisexuality is irrelevant to that but what isn't irrelevant is whether she knew yeah and that's fascinating to me <laughs> because because towards the end, they are definitely, they are slightly villainizing him for being bi. Yeah. Which is completely unfair. Yeah. Which is the whole reason that he mainly was tried in the first place. Yeah. I just find it very interesting and I'm not sure what to think of it. And I did love that. I was wondering how are they going to finish this? Because we've seen the different forms of like what, how it would have happened if she died in these various ways. Mm -hmm. And that last conversation they have that is essentially like a fake out. 
like what the last things he would have said to her essentially yeah. like based on the inf- based on where they're living now yeah like if she hadn't gone upstairs what would yeah. have happened what would have happened it and... would have just been by the pool yeah and there's this moment where she's like why didn't you tell me yeah i don't know i have so many thoughts about it as well because the it's... other thing the sorry the other thing is is that when he tells sophie i don't want to be with another woman that's what, what are you say. trying to say? to say i think they're trying to give us this idea of like he's a very confused man and i think they think he is gay and not bisexual and that he he's from he's born in like the early 40s so like growing up that wasn't an option for him to mm-hmm. be out and i think he probably found peace in a way of like being in this heterosexual marriage mm-hmm. um but then on the side like being on the down low essentially yeah. and i think they're trying to show that like how hard that must have been for him and then where those lines get blurred and i but i also feel like that's not we shouldn't be doing a character study on michael peterson like he's not a person that i want to understand so much i actually think that's a very i i don't know if michael peterson per se but i think the idea is interesting but him i after watching the staircase like i just don't like this man (laughs) whatsoever like i think he's really annoying he's pompous he you know I think he kind of got wrapped up in this idea of this documentary being made about him. And I feel like it for him, it was never about like the fact that his wife has died. At the, yeah. Like if you, you know, if she really had died accidentally, I think you would be destroyed. And he's never presented himself that way to me. Like it's always just been seemed like it was a show, which I also know you can't take into factor like how people react in certain yeah, situations. Grief is different grief for everybody. It's different for everyone. But... What I do find interesting with this series is that they do hint to things about his personality that could lead to somebody having like a heat of the moment sort of interaction with their spouse and it leading to a death. Like they hint at, you know, him being really rough with his boys. They hint at the fact that he wanted to um, separate separate Margaret and Martha. Martha from one another and like I would have loved to have seen some more information on that like is that actually true or did you just make this up for the show but also is that enough to I I can speak for myself that when I'm writing a, when I'm writing something for instance and I personally think the chasm someone has to cross between being even aggressive and violent and all of that and mm-hmm. then killing someone is huge mm-hmm. so I think you can be aggressive I even think you can be abusive but not that I think you can be abusive. I think you can be an ab- someone who know, is, has yeah. that personality trait, but still not want to kill someone. But I, that's what I think. I, so I am leaning towards he is guilty. And before this, I was leaning towards he was innocent and that she had fallen. But after this, I'm leaning towards he's guilty, which if the show wants to tell you that, then it's doing the show's its job. definitely trying yeah. to tell you that. The show <laughs> is definitely trying to tell you that this was a confused man who yeah. got caught up in the heat of the moment trying to protect his biggest secret. Because I do think heat of the passion moments like that can happen. Yeah. And, oh, wow, I'm really muddled. Because as I'm saying it, I'm like, but do I agree with that? Because yeah. I'm thinking, like, what I've seen of his personality is in this fictionalized version. Like, that's why this show, as interesting as it is, it's, like, very, it's harmful for, like, this whole case and the whole situation. Well, it's harmful because in some ways it's so accurate. Accurate. Yeah. Especially in Colin Firth's portrayal of Michael Peterson and what the show like wants you to think of him. It's mm-hmm. extremely accurate. And you almost have to remind yourself that it is fiction. 
Like, this isn't a documentary that you're watching. And that's where, that's the thing. If they have lied about the fact that that confession happened, that's actually very irresponsible. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I haven't seen any, I was going to do some research into yeah. it, but then I just got busy. But I haven't seen anything come up in my feeds about, like, anyone saying that they're really outraged by that. I don't know. I think the owl still did it. <laughs> I'm actually into the. What if it was a bat? Maybe. Yeah. I don't think she slipped and Why fell. Why would you anymore, tell us though. about the bat? Initially, after the documentary, I thought she slipped and fell. Yeah. I'm not. I don't think that's what it is. It's ba- that recreation, that recreation, sorry, that changed kind of, everything yeah. for me. I was just yeah. like, wait, there's no way no there's way that, that much blood. No way that you fall that way. Yeah. yeah. How does that even happen? Yeah. It's just there's no way that she fell down like five stairs and just like hit her head on the wall and there was blood everywhere. Did that pool accident happen in real life? Because I don't remember them discussing that in the documentary that like months before she had had an accident and like still had an injury from that and things like that. Oh, the whole neck thing? Yeah. I think so. I think okay. that was in the documentary. I don't it, but yeah, it's, uh, maybe I'll rewatch the documentary. It's like 13 hours. My God. It's a lot and it's really <laughs> slow. I don't know. Overall, again, I really liked it. I thought I thought it was entertaining, but... What did you think of that last family dinner? Oh, poor Todd. What a train wreck of a human being. It's just like, at that family dinner was also a place where I was just like, wow, they really want to show Michael Peterson as a dick. Dick. I don't care that you were in jail. And I don't know what it was, but I was just like, I don't care that you were in jail for eight years. Yeah. You don't get to act like that to your kids. No, especially because they're trying to do something nice. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it really, that episode really, cha- I, there was so much conflict in terms of what we thought of him versus what this is trying to show. And I think why this was successful is because they don't line up. Mm-hmm. And also, I would order cheesecake at a Mexican restaurant, <laughs> especially if it was like a Dolce de Leche cheesecake, yeah, I would it order might it. Be, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you order that cheesecake, Sophie Turner. But Mita, we're not here to talk about Michael Peterson and his bisexuality (laughs) and if he killed Kathleen Peterson. We're here to talk about... Simran. Simran. (laughs) Simran? Simran. They call it Simran. Simran, yeah. Simran. It's also a name, which blew my mind. Like the Indian like name? the not the oh. Indian name, not Simran, but like the the fact that it was the person, like a, the kid's name. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that also blew my mind. So, anyways, yes, we watched our fourth Academy Award winning film, mm-hmm. Simran from nineteen thirty one. Sure, sure, we, we don't know anymore <laughs> with these dates. Simran was released in nineteen thirty one. That is correct. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So presented at the nineteen thirty two Academy Awards. Do we know? I don't even know anymore. The Academy, come on, you got, I know it's 1930s, but get your shit together, Academy. It was presented in 1931 as well. It's the 1931 awards, but the movie was also released in 1931. Yes. Wait, does that make sense? Hold on. Yeah, I mean, that's what they did with All Quiet on the Western Front, right? Yes. It's quite confusing, but IMDb is helping us through this journey. Thank you, IMDb. (laughs) Yeah. If you want to sponsor us. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. There we go. Let me give us a quick IMDb disco of Cimarron. Yes. 
A newspaper editor settles in an Oklahoma boomtown with his reluctant wife at the end of the 19th century. Sure. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's Simran. That's Simran for you. And thus ends our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for listening, friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mita. Okay. Nadim. Talk to me about Simran. Okay. Simran is the first Western to win an Oscar. Yeah. And the first Western to win Best Picture yep. at the Oscar. And is one of many Westerns that I did not enjoy. <laughs> I almost made a theme choke. Here. Yeah, I have ice in my mouth now. Sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Talk to me. Talk to me about why you didn't enjoy it. Okay. Again, it's, it's war movies and Westerns. They're just, it's a genre that does not entice this gal over here. I don't get what is so exciting about cowboys. Yeah, like, what, I don't either, to be what quite is, honest. Okay, thank gosh yeah. we're on the same page for this one. But because what is so riveting about, like, I think the aspects of this that actually would be really interesting are totally um, passed by. Like the idea of discovering land and discovering a community and building upon it. Yeah. That's really interesting. Or even his wife in this movie it's such an interesting character to me and like what she's able to accomplish, mm -hmm. but that's not what this movie is about. It is yeah. about this man and his journey and his- Yancey, by the way. That's his name. The, like yeah. I've Yancey. never heard of that name. Yancey. This is about Yancey and Yancey's kind of, he's like a Michael Peterson of his time. He's kind <laughs> of a dick. Not really. <laughs> totally abandons his family on the search for what? <laughs> Twice, by the way. Yeah. He, yeah. Yancey's a dick and I don't like him. <laughs> and I think I enjoyed hating this movie more than I actually You hated it? The, not hate. Sorry. Hate is a strong word. I yeah. think I, I think I'm relishing in the fact that I didn't like this and I'm enjoying my relish. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, so I think the hard thing with, watching all of these movies especially the older ones is it does really feel like homework it feels like you have to sit down and watch this thing and like you have to just bang it out and it's a two hour plus movie and you have to get through it and i think i'm trying to like create a new mindset for this project of ours because mm -hmm. it's really been bringing me down like trying to start this and like getting into it took a, like I had to give myself quite a few pep talks to be able to sit down and watch it. And then the other thing though is because it's so it's from a different time, it's so much older. It's not enticing. Like there's nothing in here that I was like, "Oh, let me get into this." Like the dialogue the dialogue is interesting, but it's not <laughs> <laughs> nothing nothing um powerful. Yeah. And even the the picture itself, like, it's interesting to see how they filmed some of the things in this. Uh -huh. But, like, also it's just, like, it's a Western. Like, it's just, it's sand and dirt and horses. None of these things are appealing to me. None of them. Oh, how are you feeling about? I agree mind? about the homework part. Like, this was yeah. really, a, it was really work to watch this film. And like, no matter, like, I just finished editing All Quiet on the Western Front, and we, towards the end, were so excited about Cimarron, and I feel like we're only excited about the name and nothing else, yeah. because <laughs> honestly, like, I, it was really, like, it was, it was work. Yeah. And I had to start it Saturday night. I started it Saturday night at 8 o'clock. 
I ended up watching an hour over four hours. Right? <laughs> I stopped really, for so many snacks. So many things. <laughs> Either to just text or like check something on IMDb or like it. This did not retain my attention. Mm-hmm. And I will say there are some really interesting things about this. I did not know that that's how land was discovered or created or like that's how this is Osage County. This is what they made. August, Osage County. Yeah. But Meryl, guys. Mer- yeah, Meryl shows up there <laughs> decades later. Later. <laughs> and so I didn't know that that's like it was literally like a race to find like claim the land. Like once yes. they've opened up these two million acres, it's that was fascinating. And when this started, I was just like, oh, this is, I was actually really interested by that. I was like, oh, this is like really actually interesting. And let's see like what this means. And then it just kind of peters off. Mm-hmm. And then I think the other problem I'm starting to notice is this is movie four. None of these movies have stories. Right. Like none of them have plotting. And for every All Quiet on the Western Front that doesn't require plotting, that just needs it's it the, the function of the film is very different you have a cimarron which is just where i'm like you know this movie could have done with some intricate plotting mm-hmm. and i'm just wondering if that is a limitation of the time where this is this is four for four where the movies don't have this kind of these intricate plots and storylines they barely like they're really just chronological movements of things that are happening for people do you think they're crawling out of like silent film and they're trying to figure out like what what how does a talkie function how does a story function on screen as opposed to like in a book but again all quiet on the restaurant front did it right based on a well i think the source material is probably helpful in that this is based on a book too though it is yes (laughs) someone would read about this it's like reading text in the seventh grade (laughs) it's awful This is based on a book, too, by Edna Ferber, a woman, by the way. Oh, Edna, why didn't you do more with... What's her face? I forget. See, I don't even remember their names. I know. And their memorable it was just, names. It was just very bland as a film. And there there are elements of this that are interesting. And, mm-hmm. like, I, I, I liked seeing every time they had a time change to see what Osage County looked like. That evolution yeah. of, like, how the the county and was progressing that production wise must have been insane to think about like mm-hmm. how they would have done those things and to show this progression again those shots of the cavalry coming in and like claiming this land that's not cgi there were that many people out there <laughs> yeah huh that's legit <laughs> that's legit man that's impressive when you think about it like somehow they made this work so from a production standpoint there are things about this that i'm like damn but that's it it also so as I was watching it, something that I thought would really help this movie is some songs. <laughs> like, like, like a Bollywood movie? Like a Bollywood movie. The whole, I was watching it, I was like, this would be better if like all of a sudden they started dancing. Yeah. <laughs> like they just started, you know? Like I think that that would make this. I'm starting to come around to Bollywood, Nadim, if it, watching old Hollywood movies. Isn't it as, giving you an all different perspective though? It is. And how much more, how... Bollywood has done so much to like actually entertain its audience. Yeah. From the get-go. This is, this is not entertaining. No. And that is, I think, I don't like, and again, I'm going to compare it to All Quiet on Western Front because that's all I have right now. Mm-hmm. That doesn't need to be entertaining because it's meant to be like informative. Mm-hmm. But what it does, it does very well. This just doesn't do that. And this is kind of in lieu of the Broadway melody as well. And that's meant to entertain and it doesn't do it well. 
And I'm just trying to think, like, what does this want to do? Like, what is this movie trying to tell yeah. us? And I can't figure that out. There isn't a thesis, so to speak. It's also very telling that I've never heard of this movie. <laughs> like, not even by name. It's true. But I, there are some remakes, which is really interesting, like, down the line. Yeah. I think people started to appreciate westerns more especially with like john wayne and that's the only western actor that i can think of but (laughs) people started to clint eastwood sure yeah yeah oh oh clint so excited for unforgiven um (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i think people started to appreciate it more and so they they did remake this i think in like the 60s but not something that I also have ever heard of. And I don't think like people point to this to being one of the best Westerns ever made. But it's just interesting to me that it this is what garnered like the Academy's attention that year. I also didn't know Richard Dix was a person. <laughs> right? <laughs> like I. I this this movie is an anomaly. Like there's so many things about it that I just I hadn't I had never heard of the name of the movie or the people in it or who directed it or who wrote it or like and somehow it won an Academy Award for Best Picture. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> no, <laughs> I mean, you're not meant to tell me anything because I, I do get, I would have been surprised though if I was, if I did enjoy this, if I'm being honest. Yeah. And I don't know if I was just setting myself up for disappointment by being like, okay, well, this is a Western from 1931, so I'm probably not going to like this. And maybe that's why I was more pleasantly surprised by the things I did like about it. Mm-hmm. But it does follow, oh, the other thing that I was fascinated by was the racism. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously watching it from a perspective of someone living in 2022, the portrayal of Isaiah and all the talk of how the Indians are and all of that seems very obviously inappropriate, but also like, okay, sure. I'm watching a movie from the thirties. The thirties, that's but how there, it is. Exactly. But there is some level of what seems to be progression in the film. How so? I mean, for instance, Yancey, mm-hmm. he's not racist towards the Indians, right? Like, he is one person who is trying to integrate with them, recognize it. Like, he has a little speech at one point. This is their land. This yeah. is their land. We've stolen their land. Like, that felt yeah. very pointed and very ahead of its time. Appropriate, yes. Appropriate, yeah. And even how they treat Isaiah. Fine, Isaiah's own portrayal of himself is, like, cliche and offensive in and of yeah. itself, but... But At that's least, not his fault. That's not his fault. <laughs> yeah. And how they treat Isaiah as a person is also seems very different. Yes, it is more welcoming than what you would expect yeah, from, from the 1930s. Yeah. But I also think like we're speaking about this in like 19... We're speaking about this in 2022. 19 something, Mita. That's when we're speaking about it. <laughs> we're speaking about it in 2022. Like I'm curious as to what people's perception of it was. In the 1930s, like, do you think that there was maybe backlash from people being like, this is unrealistic. Look at the way that they're treating him. I think that did win Best Picture, right? It's interesting. It's showing. Do you think that those are like real standout? They're standout moments for us because we are living in 2022 and like are aware of this. But do you think that that was a standout moment then? Like it's a small part of the film. Like he dies pretty midway, midway through it. Yeah. I don't know. That's also interesting. that shootout scene. That's why I don't like westerns. Like nothing about that 
is exciting. It's necessary, yeah. Yeah, like, I don't want to see, like, two people, like, drawing their weapons. Like, you don't get that here. But no. you know what I mean? <laughs> you know, the, like, the, the like... A duel at dawn. Exactly. The quintessential, yeah. like, moment in a Western. Like, yeah. that's just... What is that? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Where's the beef? No. <laughs> I think... I think the appeal of Westerns is meant to be this, like, hyper-masculine, hyper-macho kind of outlook. Mm-hmm. Like, it's meant to be so manly. And, like, fine. <laughs> the Westerns I've seen include things like Brokeback Mountain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm, and I'm, not, like, I've never been a fan of the genre myself. And I haven't seen Unforgiven. And I'll let you know what it's like in, you know, next year, the year after. And I, I can appreciate maybe why people were up in arms about something like Brokeback Mountain based on something like this. But I think if you think about it from that perspective, if you I think if you start to dissect the movie, it's there's more to actually appreciate from that. Like if you talk about how they shot these big scenes and how they have these moments of showing the progression and how they treat Isaiah and how they treat Indians, even how they treat women, mm-hmm. it's all actually very progressive minded and it mm-hmm. is actually maybe even ahead of its time. So when I'm talking to you about it, I'm actually liking more about it than I did kind of coming in. But I think that's because the overall movie is so dull. That's the only thing you can hold on to. <laughs> is the like, yeah. Is the small there are, things. Yeah. This, but they are big small things. They're actually like, if you think about it, mm-hmm. you, let's talk about the portrayal of the, the what's her name? The, Sabra. Sabra. <laughs> like, what are these names? That's the hummus <laughs> company. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So Sabra, Sabra, she actually is a very like interesting, rounded person, like you're saying. So interesting. Shouldn't we then laud this movie more because of how it's doing these little things and these little things in a time period where it was probably really difficult to do these little things? But this movie doesn't focus. Like I would say, this movie would be more ahead of its time if it does focus more on Sabra and what she has to go through. And not her perspective of like, oh, I miss Gancy, I miss my husband, and like this man who walked out on you twice and disappeared with like no word, didn't send a buggy over to like give you <laughs> some. I don't know how they talk, yeah. but you know not what even I mean? a like, carrier pigeon. <laughs> we're meant to believe that she's like so in love with him, even though he's like barely been there. And then even the kids, the kids are like obsessed with their dad. But it's like you don't know this man. Yeah. He just he could be lying. It could be a fake Yancey. Like, I think that would be a better, interesting story if it was well, like a talented I mean, I Mr. Think, Ripley moment. I think you're thinking <laughs> from a very like, from a storytelling perspective, that's a very advanced way of thinking. So yeah. obviously the movies weren't going to do those kind of things. I did find the fact that he left twice and came back. Or the, like, I, I did not, I didn't understand even from the word, what the movie was setting up, why like, at one point, he's like, I'll see you soon. And then five years later, Yancey hadn't returned. And I'm like, wait, what happened here? Five years is a long Yeah, time. it's a long-ass time, man. Like, what did she, what did Sabra do? Right? Was she like, and that's what I think is more compelling. What did Sabra do? What did Sabra do? How did she do? hold the shit together? But also forget Sabra. What was Dixie Lee's problem to begin with? Was she a prostitute? Who knows? Like I did, that was so <laughs> unclear. I I also feel like maybe I wasn't paying enough attention, but didn't it came out of nowhere? Like that didn't. Well, see the I get the impression because remember when they show up to church, they are. I I thought 
it's either prostitutes or they're like single women. It's so vague what they're, mm. who they are, and then why she's being persecuted. I just, I couldn't, and I'm watching and I'm just like, did I, I thought the same thing. I'm like, did I miss something? something but then I went back and watched it and I was like, I didn't miss anything. They just haven't mentioned actually what she is. And then I'm wondering, is it because we're in 1930 and you physically can't say the word prostitute? Oh, interesting. But then why have him have this like Atticus Finch <laughs> protecting Dixie Lee? Like, but that's the whole idea, right? Yeah, Yancey is meant to be Atticus. Atticus, and that's what he does. He does protect the black guy. He does speak on behalf of the Indians. He does empower his wife. He does like he does do actually like that's what I'm saying about this movie. Is there's actually so many elements of mm-hmm. a really interesting film. It just doesn't tell the story well enough. It's more just like little droplings as opposed to like a cohesive storyline. Because we also, we don't know what he did in those five years. Like he just bounced. He just bounced. Yeah. (laughs) Like you didn't tell me like what he did in that timeline for me to believe him to be this like strong, reputable character. Yeah, exactly. Like what, what, why is he this popular at this point? Like what has he done? Yeah. And I don't know. I think this is an example of a film that I think you had to be there. <laughs> I think you literally just had to be there. Get that I, DeLorean out. Let's yeah, go. <laughs> I just think you had to be there and be a part of it to understand it. Because right now I'm just kind of like... And th- I think the reason I think that way is also because there are things about this that I'm like, if this was a better movie, you you have elements that are actually like top drawer. But here's the thing. This movie lost a ton of money. Ton of money. People didn't see this. This cost over a million dollars in 1930 to make. And then it lost half a million dollars. There was also this thing going on called the Great Depression at the time. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What? What's that? What? (laughs) Depression? (laughs) That may have contributed to why it lost money. But Perhaps. then I find interesting, why did they bankroll this? Right? Who was like, okay, RKO was like, let's go. Let's make this Western. Make this million dollar This is film. what the people need right now. Yeah. But maybe, Mita? Yeah. Maybe they needed something inspirational. Maybe they needed something hopeful. Because this movie, again, is aiming to be those things. Mm-hmm. It's actually not dour. He dies a hero's death. And then they are concentrating in a place in the United States that is more down to earth more homey yep. than like it's hollywood blitz or new york yeah. city like it's yep. not yeah i can see why it's people they... who go to church it's people yeah. who are they're of the of the faith but also not trying to be exclusatory which what he does with dixie lee mm-hmm. like i can maybe again this is an interesting example of a movie i'm talking about it's not changing my rating but it is maybe changing my like perspective on it yeah and maybe like yeah i don't know I'm trying to it's like. It's a weird under, one. It's, it's like, a weird I can, one. Yeah. Yeah. I see. I guess like if we're gonna ask the question, does this deserve to be best picture? I can see the elements in which like yes, because again, it's really hard for us to like make that statement for these movies because yeah. we weren't there and we don't know the other movies of the time. Like if I look at what else was nominated, it was. Yeah. Like what are these movies? East Lynn, the front page. Yeah. Skippy. Skippy. <laughs> And then Trader, Trader Horn. Horn. Like, I've never heard of any of those at all. Have you? No. And what I also find interesting, and this does change next, like, next year, next episode. Mm-hmm. But 
generally speaking, there's only one film per production company that's nominated. Mm. And like that, actually, that's a lie because with the Broadway Melody Hollywood Review was also they were both produced by MGM. Okay, so I don't know. I'm trying to find something here. But also, not that many movies were being yes, made. It's not exactly. like how it yes. is these days, right? Yeah. So it's you have to remember like, that. You maybe get like, I don't know, how many do you think they were doing a year? Five pictures, maybe a year. Each product, each um, production company. Yeah. Yeah, that that doesn't that seem seems, unreasonable. Yeah, yeah, but it's not like uh, these days where you have three different summer blockbusters coming out. Yeah, give me one second. There's actually a list of RKO pictures, so let's see what they produced. Like, how many were they producing? There we go. Oh. <laughs> how many did they The produce? studio released 29 films in 1930. Oh, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> that's more than I... Way more than I... Yeah, that's... During the Depression? Oh! Wait. <laughs> this... RKO acquired Pathé in January. This is 1931. RKO acquired Pathé in January and released films under both the RKO and RKO Pathé labels. Combined, the studio would release 50 films during the year. No. That's wild. That kind of really changes things. You know what, though? I one, it, It's not like it is today. Like, there isn't as much, like... You have stars, so you have their paychecks, and their paychecks are astronomical. Like, I think back then it wasn't as crazy. Yeah, budgets were a bit more contained. Yes, things were a bit more contained there. You have those kinds of schedules to compete with. You have, like, these bigger budgets you have to take into account. Like, does this movie have CGI? What kind of effects are into it? What about the sound? What about the set? Like, there's so so much more that goes into making a film now that actually kind of does make sense to me if a if a production company makes less films a year now as they did mm. back then but that's, you could kind of co- bank out that's if they're all marvel movies right yeah like a marvel movie the pipeline is a lot longer because of exactly everything you just named mm-hmm. but what if you're producing like indies but look at what's getting produced right now yeah that too i think that i think the actor the inflation of the actor's cost i think that really changes things and i'm yeah. pretty sure in the 1930s that wasn't it wasn't what it is now there's actually this really interesting to tangent ever so slightly. In India, there's this um, subscription page called The Film Companion run by mm-hmm. this very famous reviewer called Anupama Chopra. And she does a producer's roundtable every year. Mm-hmm. Like roundtables that happen, like the Hollywood Reporter does them with actor-actress. Yeah. She does them with producers. And so you have people who aren't typically like interviewed. It's like four or five film producers. They, and they sat down and this year's film produ- producer, it was the most fascinating thing. All these film producers are sitting around and they're just, they're complaining about how hard it is to get movies made because stars are demanding insane amount of money and the budgets cannot equate. Like they're demanding like hundreds of millions of dollars for movie for like people who don't like deserve it. And I'm sure the situation is the same here. Like the inflation and you're above the line is so high Mm -hmm. that it's preventing content from getting in. So maybe that's why RKO was able to produce 50 movies in 1931. Because it didn't cost them $10 million to have. It did cost them 1.5, though. And they lost (laughs) 0.5. What do you think contributed to the $1 million for this film? Like, what made that money? Yeah. What do you think, like, why was it so... Why did it cost so much? What about this kind of screen? Oh, me, I, I can tell. You can tell. Budget. Like, this is all live, right? 
Mm-hmm. Those shots are insane. I keep for like, yeah, it's kind of wild. It's I, because it's it hard feels to remove so CG. yourself from like your current yes, time exactly. Because yeah. even while I'm watching it, my first gut is well, like it's it, it's not as impressive. But when I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that's really impressive, actually. Mm-hmm. And they reconstructed those sets of like uh, o- Osage. western towns and like yes, yeah. into like yeah. from town to huge city. That's wild for that one aerial view of the street. They did that like four times. Think of the, all of that is real. Like the construction of it, the people, the vehicles, all of it is real. Mm-hmm. And that opening shot is kind of, it's wild. It is. And there's real horses. The real horses and real people and real carts. You can see it's expansive. It, it has to be. That is obviously what is costing this movie this much to do. I think I'm learning to be like more appreciative of these things, but at the same time, like, I want more. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the experience is still the experience. And that's what I think that's what we're coming down to is that like, I can recognize all of these things. I can appreciate the technique. I can even be marveled by the technical. Like I'm truly, I think, in, in awe of what they were able to create. And I can even appreciate the attempts at being progressive minded and educational and all of that. There's actually, I think, a lot that is good about this film but mm-hmm. when i watch it end to end i'm still like ma it's so ma it's so ma it's just so like ugh. it's just there it's just there it's the part movie... of the discourse but yeah yeah it is so do you think it deserved to win best picture no it's hard no <laughs> it's really? hard well if okay so right now i'm comparing it to the one that we do think deserved it which is all quiet on the western front and I think that that movie does what it sets out to do, whereas this one, like, the point is muddled and I can't. My assumption is that it's to entertain audiences for the reasons we talked about. Like, this yeah. is coming out during the Depression, but it doesn't do that. Like, there's nothing about this that I do find enticing or that if I try to picture myself in a theater in that time, what part of this am I saying, like, oh, this was such an escape? That like it just yeah. feels okay. that's fair blah for me yeah yeah interesting do you think it deserves this just is such a hard question to money. ask right now because we yeah. don't have perspective and we don't have insight like what else came out in 1931 mm-hmm. i will say from a technical standpoint i do think this is quite impressive like it is a mm-hmm. feat more so than broadway melody possibly even wings like this is really quite impressive the uh, the scale is really impressive. The scale is really, really something to marvel at. Yeah. It's kind of like, have you ever seen Mughalism? No. Yeah. So Mughalism took like 14 years or something to make. Mm-hmm. And this was it was made in the 50s, I think, 50s or 60s in India. And it took so long because everything about this movie that was supposed to be set in Mughal, like Mughal India, was hand done. Like, it's Crazy. not CGI. It's all, like, hand craftsmanship. And this is all hand craftsmanship. Like, it's all... I think we're we're a little jaded. We probably are. Yeah. And I think... <laughs> yeah. And I think if I, if I really try to sit back and, like, look at it, I'm, I can truly be amazed by the technicals of it. If from a film movie standpoint, I just... I can't. I just can't get behind it. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a little torn because... You know, I'm trying to think of a modern day movie that won based on the production rather than the film. And if Avatar had won, that would have been something. That would have been it, yeah. That would have been it, but it didn't. 
And don't that... you dare say Chicago. No, I don't think Chicago won because of the technicals. I think you could say that from maybe even Lord of the Rings, but Lord of the Rings is more than that, too. I have never seen any of the Lord of the Rings, so we'll find out. And when that happens, I'm going to watch all three. You have to watch all three. You actually can't. It doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So we'll we'll both have to watch all three. Yeah. But I don't know. I am going to go with maybe (laughs) Deserve to Win Best Picture. Maybe. Okay. Maybe. Maybe. maybe who knows we'll I find know. out next week <laughs> maybe we will maybe grand hotel will inform why this one yeah but I, I i think i'm also hiccuping on the fact that i just had no idea this was a movie <laughs> like i just had no idea <laughs> that it existed do you know what the worst part is though so like if you've been paying attention to our instagram on mm. fridays and sundays i've been posting movies around the same time that these Academy Awards happened. So on Fridays, we'll feature the other pictures that are not, that were nominated for mm-hmm. Best Picture. Um, and on Sundays, we'll take a look at other movies of the time that weren't nominated. Mm-hmm. And there are so many movies I have never heard of. Ever. I have no idea what these things yeah. are. And I'm like, yeah, I'll feature this one. Yeah, I'm this sure is a it nice was poster. Up, I'm sure it was up for America's Next Top Model. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. The poster is nice. There we go. Do you have sequel prequel ideas? I would like to focus on Sabra. I think yeah. that's a more compelling storyline. Like what she did in those five years. Yeah. But but also what did Yancey do in those five years? Yeah. What was he up to? What was Like Yancey I think doing? if you're gonna tell me like this is the story of Yancey and his journey, then you need to tell me his journey. Yeah. You need to tell me what happened there. But yeah. Because they do kind of sidestep that completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna go into my rating. Okay. I'm I'm muddled about it because as I've talked about it, I definitely have, I think there are things to appreciate, especially mm-hmm. in terms of like how this movie is made. I think it's actually quite interesting when you can take off that jadedness, take like remove your jaded sense of how you view movies because not everything is a Marvel movie or Avatar, whatever you want to call it. There was a time where everything was done by hand. Everything was people. Everything was real. And mm-hmm. that is... It actually almost makes me want to go back and watch those scenes again because they are amazing to see. Like there was real, that was real filmmaking and the scale of it is so, it's so impressive and how they accomplished those things in the 30s. I have no idea how they would do it now without CGI. Like, could you imagine Mm. that opening scene without CGI done now? That's crazy. Right? Yeah, it wouldn't happen. The scale would just... It would be more cost-effective to use CGI. To use CGI. That's why you would do it. So there was a time where that was the only option, and so they made it work. And I think that's kind of marvelous about this, is that these movies that are so old are about the magic of movie making and the magic of movies in general. And I think that's quite endearing to see in these things. And I think that's the big takeaway, is that there was a time where filmmaking... Where filmmaking was about the art... And there is art in CGI. Don't get me wrong. That is that is a skill. And the people who do it are incredibly skilled. Yeah. But I, when I was in film school, I once had some, someone who was an animation teacher. I took like an animation class. And they were like, there is no more real than real. And that's, mm. it's, it's, that, that's it, right? There's yeah. no more real than real. And a movie like this really showcases that. And so for those reasons, it is really impressive to watch. And something I would be interested in watching again from that perspective. Because from the storytelling perspective, this is a dud. Mm-hmm. This is like dud central. It's quite lackluster. It's quite boring. 
And the interesting aspects of this, the treatment of black people, the treatment of Indian people, the treatment of women, they are just underdeveloped. They're there and there are... And I don't know if that's a limitation of the time. Like, they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't know how to write these things and they wanted to have these ideas. Like, is it underdeveloped or is it just a symptom of, of being in the 1930s? I don't know. I can't answer that. And so when I watch it now, I can only... I can only review it as to like how I feel about it. And this was, this was a hard one to get through. And again, I just did not know it was a movie and I can understand why I didn't, because aside from the technicals and these few little things that do, you know, they do add color overall in the movie. The movie itself is just, <sighs> Meath is yawning right now. And that's exactly what it was. <laughs> No, I just needed oxygen. <laughs> so for those reasons, I'm going to give this two stars. Two stars for Because I Simmer. did like it more than Broadway Melody in the end. There you go. Okay. Your turn. My turn. Something that you brought up is, do would you watch this movie again? And I think that's maybe how I'm going to start putting things into perspective with the, especially the earlier ones mm -hmm. is like, was I actually enticed by this movie enough to be able to say like, Oh, I would watch that again. And with Simran, I wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> and for all the reasons that we discussed, mainly the storyline of this movie, it doesn't know what it wants to tell you. And what mm -hmm. I think it's trying to say is like, look at Yancey, look at this man and his journey from trying to discover a new land to creating a community to building a family to being a respectable human being but you're not telling me how he got there i don't know anything about his journey i don't know his his struggles really to be honest and i don't understand i don't understand him as a character and i think that's kind of where the flaw is with this story mm -hmm. and what i find really interesting and i think it's fair to say they would have known this would have been compelling at the time. Like, I don't want to dumb down the people of the 1930s. Mm -hmm. Sabra is such an interesting character. She is the wife and mother of these kids. The, yes, I, don't yes. Know, I thought I said the wife and wife, but the wife and mother of these children. Her husband disappears on her twice. She's left to run this newspaper in Oklahoma. She's holding shit together. Like, that's the story that I want to hear. At that's the turn what, of the century. Exactly. Yeah. You know, people were just wearing balloon sleeves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, the balloon sleeves. Sabra was ahead of her time. Yeah. Um, you know, that's what's really compelling and interesting. And this movie totally just slides by that. Like, it doesn't focus anything on that actual storytelling. And what it does, it's from the perspective of like, oh, woe is her. She is this woman who is longing for her husband's return, which is just dumb. Like Sabra should have just gotten her, gotten over it. I think yeah. she should have moved on from Yancey because Yancey didn't show up for five years the first time. I don't think she had that option though. I don't know. I want better for Sabra. I want yeah. justice for Sabra okay. in 2022. <laughs> But again, I think like this was happening in a time where I think you could have more compelling stories like that. And mm -hmm. I think there's the opportunity there to actually focus on an actual story as opposed to all these different plot lines. Yeah. I agree with you in terms of like the technical, like as we were discussing it, like it is pretty amazing to think that this is real. Like they didn't have the technology we have today to put together a film like this. And that is pretty amazing. But 
as we're going down these this list, there are movies that I've never seen, but I've heard about. Yeah. And this is not one of them. This is neither. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, I've seen it now. Well, seen it now. But, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. But anyways, yeah, like this movie just doesn't stand out. Like I've never heard somebody say Simran is one of the best Westerns ever made either. So for me... I actually would prefer, if I'm going to watch between Simran and the Broadway Melody, if I'm going to watch any two movies, I'm actually probably going to watch the Broadway Melody because it's more of a jaunt. Like it's, it's too, and there's some like ridiculousness between these two sisters that I just. (laughs) Say, let's get dressed. Come on. Right. So I'm going to leave this one with a one and a half. Mind is blown, Nita. Because you really didn't like the Broadway Melody. I gave Broadway Melody a two. Yeah. And you're sticking to that? That Broadway Melody is higher than this? Yeah. I preferred that over this. Wow. Wowza. Broadway Melody had some dancing in it. Wings had some bubbles. All the (laughs) Quiet on the Western Front is like actually a compelling film. It's a movie. Yes. Um, Simran, no bueno. Poor Simran. Oh, Simran. Okay. All right, guys, that was uh, Nita's shocking revelation that she preferred the Broadway melody to Simran, which is really give you an idea. I preferred it by 0.5. That's a big one. I preferred this by 0.5. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like I gave this a one. No. I feel like, yeah, that's true. That's a whole point. This is 0.5. Half a point. In case anyone wanted to know, 0.5 is half of one. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. This movie cost over $1 million to make and only made... <laughs> it cost 1.5 and it yeah. lost 0.5. Yeah. But yeah. I think hmm. next week's movie yes. might actually help line things up for you. It doesn't... Next week doesn't feel like homework for me because I've been wanting to watch this for a while. Yeah. I've been want well, and by a while, like since we watched whatever happened to Baby Jane, yeah, I've been wanting to watch Grand Hotel. And why is that, Nita? Because it stars Joan Crawford. <laughs> yeah, it stars the first actress in all of these that I've actually heard of. Yeah, it's the first movie and the first like actor that I'm like, oh, I recognize you. Mm-hmm. Which so, is very exciting. Because next week we are watching Grand Hotel. We we. So that'll be interesting. I am looking forward to that. It's also shorter, Mita. Yeah, thank God. Yeah, it's so many. It's so many things going in Mita's favor. It really does. It's yeah. European too. So it's like Europeans, all the good things. I love Europe. <laughs> but before we get there, Mita, we got uh-huh. a little game to play. We do. So last week you had me connect Jurassic mm-hmm. Park to a time to kill. Yes, and I did it with Samuel L. Jackson. I'm still <laughs> you proud of that. Caught my my trick there. So yes, I'm glad exactly. you did. Mm-hmm. But I've decided, Mita, that it's time we made things a little bit more difficult. Oh, great. Yup. So, today, Mita, I'm going to uh-huh. have you connect uh-huh. a time to kill uh-huh. to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. And your timer starts now. A time to kill starts Samuel Jackson, who is in... The Avengers with Benedict Cumberbatch, who's in Doctor Strange with, um, I'm forgetting his name, but he plays his sidekick in it. No, um, he's his sidekick in it. He's also in Shang-Chi, which has Michelle Yeoh, who is in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> Can we name this person in Doctor Strange? Oh, I'm trying to. It's. Uh... Can I look it up? Look it up. Okay. We'll allow that. <laughs> what else is my Do you mean Benedict Wong? Yes, thank you. Okay. <laughs> Benedict Wong. So wait. Shang-Chi. So, so, so fine, of... you got it under the minute, but. Oh, in Shang-Chi with Michelle Yeoh. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Well done. I did it. I know. But did Suck it feel on. like a little bit of a challenge? No, because Marvel has made these kind of things so easy. <laughs> well, guess guess where I'm going next week then, Mita. Not next week. I guess the week after. Uh, yeah. <laughs> next week is your week. You're going Bollywood, I know. <laughs> but but there's. I'm sure there's something I can probably come up and probably with. something yeah. Marvel related, which will piss me off. But whatever, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> but that's for two weeks from now. Yes. Next week we are watching just Grand Hotel. What were you going to say? The Grand Hotel, but it's the, not. No, it's, it's just, just Grand Hotel. Yeah, just Grand Hotel. There's yeah. no the. It's just Grand. Before we get there, though, Mita, do you have any parting words? I do. She would be the first in town to have balloon sleeves. <laughs> of all the lines, I'm glad we went with that one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we'll see you next week for... Grand, Grand Hotel. Hotel. Have a lovely week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by no one. You can follow us on Instagram at Movies to Watch Pod, on Twitter at Movies the Number Two Watch Pod, on the TikTok at Movies to Watch Pod, or send us an email at Movies to Watch Pod at gmail.com. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.